Hi, and welcome to From a Full Cup. I'm your host, Natalie Mullen, a certified wellness educator, speaker, facilitator, and teacher. From a Full Cup is a mental wellness education podcast that helps women prioritize their wellness and put themselves first because you can't pour from an empty cup. I present unique wellness tips and strategies in ways that are relatable and practical and can be adopted for your lifestyle. Whether I'm speaking at an event, facilitating a workshop, or coaching clients, I'm passionate about helping women dream big, take action, and move the needle forward to achieve the life they want. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to From a Full Cup. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I have with me Manel Williams. She is my dear friend, and she's also an estate and legacy educator. She's a speaker and host, a pre-planning funeral director, accredited end-of-life doula, and certified executor assistant. Woo, that was a mouthful. (laughs) Anything else you want to add, Manel, as I welcome you? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Basically, all of that goes to say I like speaking and learning about death and end of life. That's me in a nutshell. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, there's not a lot of people who would say that they like speaking about death, but it's important because it's a part of life, right? You can't have life without death. And every single one of us, I hate to break it to you guys if you don't know this, but we're all going to die at some point. So I think it's really good for us to be proactive in how we think about death and how we even manage death for our own well-being, like those conversations around death, because it causes a lot of stress for people, a lot of anxiety. A lot of people just kind of push it away and push it aside. But eventually when they're forced to encounter it, now it's very difficult for them to kind of move forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think many times that's exactly what it is. We just don't want to talk about it. We don't want to acknowledge the fact that this is a part of our life, that this is what we're working towards in essence. And so we avoid, 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 And then your family is left with chaos. So what I really try to do is to teach people how to set things up so that your family isn't left with that, or you're not rushing trying to get everything together when also dealing with many other things. Yeah, I know that makes sense. And, you know, when we're thinking about people's lives being impacted by death or even during the end of life transition period, what are some ways that you see people's well-being or family's well-being being impacted. Yeah. Uh, Many families are stressed to say the least, right? This is something most times when you come to talk to me, it's the first time you've ever had an end of life conversation. You know, it's the first time you're experiencing this. So there is stress, there's fear because you don't know what's involved. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of, even if the death isn't imminent and I say, you hear it, right? I say death. I will use the word because I want to normalize these conversations. But even if nothing is imminent, just the reality, the fact that I'm coming to sit here to sit with you and to talk about this topic brings about some fear, right? So a lot of families, it's it's like I have to coach them in, you know, kind of ease them into what we're going to do, walk them through the process. And then when they leave, they're saying, yeah this was great. I feel so much better. I feel a weight off my shoulders. You know, they get that release on the other side, but before it, there's just a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear coming into it for the most part. I will say though, there are some families who come in very excited and ready to do it. (laughs) Yeah. It's really funny how it can just be, you know, two different ways or or even something in the middle, but we all approach death in different ways. We all have been exposed to death in, in different ways. Like I know for myself, 
I was exposed to death from a very young age. So I was attending funerals from a baby right up through adulthood. It would be very normal for my parents to go to like five or six funerals in a summer, you know? So, and that's just the summer. And then it's like, okay, we'll see what winter brings. You know, I don't know why, but winter always brings more. It's very weird. But, um, you know, so I've just always, I've always experienced that. I've always, we've always talked about it. And uh, I'm happy about that because, you know, it, for me, it helps me to, A, remember that life is not here forever. And for me to really treasure and value the time that I have with my loved ones. But also, like, I really like to think about and remember people who've gone on and just kind of honor their memories and, and honor their later periods. I really love seniors. I really love the elderly. I really like spending time with them and just, you know, however I can help or contribute to kind of their, you know, the, their last kind of phase of life. That's just something that brings me a lot of joy. But yeah, I, I think it's just so important to, even if it's baby steps, just start to have the conversations so that it becomes easier. And also if you are, I feel like the fear kind of is generational too, like it passes down. Like if you didn't kind of talk about death in your family growing up, then when you have your own family, it's kind of the same way. And then if you see so many people have breakdowns, right? Um, and, and they just can't handle it and they never get back to a, a thriving life ever again because they're just so knocked off their feet. Mm -hmm. And it, it's interesting because my family wasn't like that. We didn't talk mm -hmm. about funerals. I didn't attend funerals. I meet my my family was scared. It was mm -mm, we don't talk about that. On my mom's side, really, they were very scared. So now it's interesting. She was terrified when I got into funeral services. She used to when I got in the car, she would spray me down with Lysol because she was afraid of you know like anything I'd be bringing home. And I think it's awesome now because she's come full circle. And because mm -hmm. of me, you know, in my everyday, if you hang around me, you're gonna just get comfortable hearing about death. So now yeah. he's comfortable on the other side. And now we are breaking family or generational curses, right? Because now I'm comfortable. The next generation will be comfortable. Like this is what we're doing. We're changing it. And you're right. Cause culturally, if you, some cultures, it's completely normal. You know, it's normal yeah. to say, Hey, it's Christmas time. I just bought my cemetery. It's my Christmas gift to you. You know, like that's normal for others that it's unfathomable to do such a thing. Right. Yeah. So that's about culture. is just about. Um, getting accustomed to it and learning something new. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And, you know, do you recommend, like, how should families start to have these conversations? And, like, why is it beneficial to have it earlier? Is there a certain age that they should start having the conversations? Or what is your suggestion to people? When should they talk about these things? Mm -hmm. I think that's a great question because it's, and most people don't know when to broach this topic. And so if you don't know when, you wait until yeah. you're forced to. So I would say whenever somebody is ready, that's the time to speak. Use this. So you're listening to this podcast right now. Use this as a, hey, you know what? I was listening to this. What do you think about X? You know, and you have to be aware of where people are because I might be ready to say, oh my goodness, maybe so-and-so died. And now I just saw what the family went through and I'm like, oh my goodness, we have to do this. Let's do it all. But your family might not be ready for that just yet, right? So you're going to start the conversation where they are. Hey, this just happened. What do you think about X? What do you think about where you want to be buried? What do you think about having a funeral? What do you think about whatever? You know, like, what do you think about what we're going to do for our kids? Like, those things you're going to start with. And then as they're comfortable, you keep going with the conversation. Some people are the kinds where you're like, okay, let's have a family meeting. 
And in that case, everybody comes. Kids, everybody, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk. Some people, that's not the case. You might just speak to your, your spouse, right? And you're going to start there. But I think it's important to, one, of course, if we're saying this many times, to have the conversation. But two, yeah. speaking about the kids specifically, involve them. Because yeah. a lot of people think that they don't understand what's going on. They might not be able to understand the full scope of it. But I promise you, they see. I promise you, yeah. they see that mom is feeling different. Dad's feeling different. They're not talking. Mom is crying. They're seeing all of these things. And they might not know how to process them. There are a lot of great books now that are out there for kids that kind of explain what grief is, what kind of explain what loss is, kind of explain, you know, like, okay, my parents have passed and now this is my new family. Like those, all of these things you can read in a book and share with them so that they understand what's happening too. So it's never too early and you don't want to wait until you're forced to have that conversation. That is the number one thing. Just do it earlier than later. Yeah, no, I think that that is such great advice. And, you know, coupled along with having the conversation, you know, I'm, all, I'm always about action. So I want you to talk about um, pre-planning funerals because I remember I actually never knew this was a thing. And you were the one who told me, yeah, like people pre-plan funerals. And I was like, wow. And there's, it can look different for some people. Maybe some people's not actual plans. Some people's like the whole shebang, finances and everything. But, you know, if you can just educate the listeners about this and then also what are the benefits of pre-arranging funeral services? Mm -hmm. And I think what you said is really important to note. You can, don't let the fact that, <clears throat> sorry, that if you don't have the finances for it right now, don't let that stop you from doing it. You can make pre-arrangements, meaning just write down your wishes. And then you can make pre-arrangements. In that case, you're paying for it. And one of the benefits is that because you lock in the price. Like right. you're going to pay, what are we now, 2023 prices? And hopefully you're passing many years down the road. So as the prices increase, you don't have to worry about that. So that's one, it's the financial aspect, but two, it's the burden, right? Now, I'll tell you from my experience, this is what I do. And even still, I am working with my family to get them to get it together, you know? So my family, many of my family members have what I like to call the briefcase. That's where all the jing bang goes in, right? Yeah. <laughs> everything. And so now I have to go through all of that to try to decipher, is this an important piece of paper? Is this mm -hmm. bank account still valid? Is there anything in it? You have to call people. You've got to do all of this extra searching while dealing with everything else. We talk, you talk about wellness. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to take care of myself while I'm dealing with the fact that my loved one is sick. I'm trying to take care of myself while dealing that my loved one has died. And now I'm also here trying to go through all of your paperwork, all of your mess, because you didn't bother to put things together to make it easier for me. The amount of frustration I see people come with, and I can understand it, right? It's a lot to go through. So as much as you can, set things up. And I'm talking funeral. I'm talking estate. Have your will done. Have it reviewed so that it's still valid and you don't have an ex-spouse as the beneficiary. Have, have it clear so that your insurance beneficiary, well, that one actually will kind of changes, but your beneficiaries, you want to make sure you have an up-to-date beneficiary. You want to make sure that you have your wishes clear so that, because let me tell you one thing, family, when it comes time, when someone has passed, you will see the character of people appear in different ways. Mm -hmm. Say it again. <laughs> Listen, one more time. They're dealing with people in a different state. 
and they will fight over $5. And it's not necessarily about the $5. It's about the sentimental value and it's about what they think they are owed. And a lot of that could be cleared if you just talk about it first. Like, I hate to see someone pass and their passing causes a rift in the family that that's a divide that will now last forever. And it's yeah. all because you didn't say things, you weren't clear about what you wanted. And now you left everybody to try to do what they think is best, but what they mm-hmm. think is best don't align. And so now a family fight comes in. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have seen within my own family and family members. And and to be honest, I remember from a young age being tra- quite traumatized, seeing the fighting that was happening and being like, I never want any part in this. Mm-hmm. And um, again, if you will think you are really good with somebody or that the family is really close and just let someone die. And you just, I tell you, it, it's, I see it over and over and over again. And so I really think it is our own responsibility, especially if you have kids, but even if you don't, like somebody is left to deal with this. And like, why are you putting that burden on them? If you can just deal with it yourself and then everybody just has to respect whatever it is that you have kind of set up and everybody just knows. So it's actually, you're doing it out of care. You're doing it because you want them to be able to just strictly grieve and strictly mourn when you're gone. You don't want them to be on the phone calling this person, this person, trying to crack a code, find a hacker. Like, it's a lot. Trying to decipher what does the paper say because the the ink is faded, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my parents have one of those brief cases too. I didn't know other families had this situation. And I remember being like, you know, this is just madness. This, This is just madness. So it's so important to just have your things in order from now because you just never know. And, and at least if God forbid you go early or even when you go late. And because also you don't know the way in which your life is going to kind of wind down. So if your mind goes before your body goes, now you're not in a mental state that you can even take care of these things, right? So some people are like, oh, when I get to a certain age, I'm going to start looking into these things. But you don't know if dementia is going to hit you, Alzheimer's is going to hit you, if you yourself maybe lose someone and it sends you into depression and you just can't deal with that, right? And so it's it's while you are well, deal with it. Or if while your your parents are well, talk to them, right? Mm-hmm. And so I really want you to talk about how can someone involve their aging parents in making funeral arrangements if they're willing and able to participate? Yes, I think that the best way to do that is actually to do it yourself and involve your parents. So flip it, right? Mm. Now you're going to tell them, hey, I'm doing this. I'm going to be the gatekeeper. I'm going to be the tester. You know, like I'm going to go through this process. Come with me and listen while I do it. Or Mm. you go and you come back and report to them. This is what I did. Are you willing to come with me? Because a lot of times for them, it's scary. Like what the estates that they were closing compared to the estates we're closing are 100% different. Right. For them, it was really simple. Their parents worked one job. You know, they received a pension. You close your estate. It's done. In this day and age, we have split families. We have uh, digital assets. We have different kids from different like there's just so their businesses, all these entrepreneurs with all of their different businesses. What is your succession plan? There's so many aspects to it now. Right. Mm. And the laws have changed. Right. So even you were talking before about having the conversation because you don't know if you're going to get sick. I mean, 
if you don't tell them, you talk about our parents, if you don't even tell me what your wishes are, if you were to drop down and have a stroke today, if yeah. that might happen, what is important to you? If you don't give me any instruction, when the doctors look at me and say, okay, what do you want to do? I have no answer. And I'm terrified I'm going to make the wrong answer, but you can't tell me. And so anything I do is either right or anything I do is wrong, depending on how I see it. But that is stress that didn't need to be on us if we just had these conversations. So I say lead by example, start the process, and then teach your parents what you're doing, right? That demystifies it. Bring in different professionals. You don't have to just go see one person, but make sure whoever you're talking to is answering your questions, be it funeral professionals, insurance agents, financial advisors, lawyers, whomever you're talking to. Make sure they're answering your questions because there's a lot to know when it comes to closing an estate and you want to be comfortable with one, what you're dealing with now, but also the fact that what you're dealing with might change, right? Yeah. You might start something now and then end up in a situation where you're like, okay, actually I need to go and review my will and make uh, 10 different changes. Are they going to say, okay, or are they going to say, all right, we're just going to start all the way from the beginning again. You know, like yeah. you want to make sure that you, you know exactly what you're getting into and you're comfortable with what's happening. Yeah, no, that's that's actually really uh, good advice to just start with yourself and share what you're doing. I remember I had my funeral planned out for a very long time. Um, I'm particular. So, you know, I always was like, okay, this is, and and I mean, it's just simple things, but I was like, okay, I want people to wear this color and I don't want them to wear this color and I want this type of vibe. And, you know, I'm going out with a party, okay? So let, like, don't be sad for me. Like, I'm I'm good and um, let's, let's just celebrate life because that's what I'm all about. And it was actually because of you and just, you know, us being friends for so long that, you know, I got to start having these conversations with my parents and it, it took a little while. Um, so, you know, readiness is a journey. Yes. I, I'm, I have been able to plan with my parents, both of their funerals. Mm-hmm. And at first they were kind of like, ah, oh, what, what's this about, you know? And it's funny because my mom and dad reacted differently to it. My dad was kind of like, what? Nah. And my mom was like, I don't even care what happens. Just, you know, I don't even care. So some people don't even care about what happens. Put them in a box. Like, they're good. And then my dad, who was kind of like, ah, oh, by the end of it, I mean, he has all the song titles. He has who the pallbearers are. But I feel so happy that we did this now. Because there are people, um, and I think I'll use the document from you, actually, that helped me consider things I had truly, mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't think of who our Paul Bear is going to be. And then you have to think about, well, like, if my dad is older and the Paul Bears are older. Can they even carry the, the casket? Do you know what I mean? Like, these are the things to think about. And again, it's not from like a morbid place. It's just that when that time comes, I don't want to be dealing with this kind of stuff. And that's what I had to tell my parents. I was like, listen whenever your time comes, I want to just be grieving and then just reflecting, celebrating your life. I do not want to be stressing about who I'm supposed to call, who's in your life. And when we, when we filled out the document, I mean, there was people I didn't even know. I was like, sorry, who is this person? Mm-hmm. Sorry, can you give me a number for them? Mm-hmm. Right? Because, you know, my dad still has several numbers in a big brown book that I've seen my whole life. Mm-hmm. It's not alphabetized or I don't think that's a word. It's not in alphabetical order. And, you know, things are all over the place. Some are in Jamaica, some are in Canada. I don't know. Right. I'm like, I'm not going through this book to try to find these mysterious people. So now it's all planned. Both of them, my sister and I both have a copy. 
So, you know, at least I just know that God forbid anything happens. I have an idea of what is what is to happen. All right. So I really think um, that is good. If you can get to a place of having that conversation, even if it's not about the money, because I know some people's families are, are touchy with money and they might think, oh, you, you're trying to get my money from me or or something. But even if it's just like just a small part, like even if it's just like, well, what does the service look like? Or, you know, do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried here in Canada? If they're from another country, do you want to go back to home? Like, do you know what I mean? Like even things like that, because I think it, I can just imagine how stressful it must be when someone goes and you're like, I just don't know what they would have wanted and you can't ask them. And then you feel this kind of guilt. Like, did I honor their wishes and intentions? And that's such a horrible way to grieve is doubting if you've made the right decision. Yeah. And it's scary when you do that, you make your best choice. And then later on, when you're going through the briefcase, you find their wishes, right? That can be, that can be really traumatic for some people because they didn't know. It's one thing, like some people will make all of their plans, but they don't talk to their family about it. I don't Mm. understand that because it's really important. Or some families who make their plans and only tell one, only tell Mm. one, right? But, But I'm like, you don't know what could happen with that one child. You know, you don't know what could happen with a lot. You want to make sure whoever you have listed as your executors, whoever you have listed as those people who you want to put in charge, that they know, one, that you made arrangements, and two, where they are. Because there's a few aspects when it comes to making end-of-life plans, right? We're talking yeah. about the funeral right now. A lot of people, you're you're the opposite. Because a lot of people, when they think, I've done my funeral, they get a cemetery plot. And they're like, we're done. That's one portion. Before mm. you get to the cemetery, you still have to do your funeral. Someone's going to have to pick up your loved one and take care of them, right? So you've got to do yeah. your funeral and your cemetery. But before that, you have your power of attorneys. Who is going to make those end-of-life decisions? What are they going to do? What are they going to do about your finances? Make sure you put that in place. And then you have your will. So there's a lot. You also have your insurance documents. Don't ever forget about that. You want to make sure you're putting that in place so you can supply generational wealth and help to cover those costs. Because people forget about the fact that when someone passes, taxes still have to be paid. And they can be quite hefty, right? So you want to make sure that you have funds to cover that to cover the mortgage. If you want to pass on a house, you don't want to work so hard and then leave your family in a situation where you're giving the government the money or where they're having to pay for themselves for everything because they don't have access to any funds, right? There's a lot involved when it comes to planning ahead. So taking your time, going through it, like with your family, with your parents, doing it slowly, right? We get a little bit more accustomed to what's happening and then we work on the next step. Okay, we did this, next step. And then one other thing, your mom, she was saying like, she doesn't care. Whatever happens, it doesn't matter. Those people, like, I love it because it's easier for your family, but kind of pull from them anything you can because mm-hmm. do anything you want. I used to hear that all the time. I've been doing presentations for a while. You know, you would mm-hmm. do presentations and they say, just throw me in a garbage bag. Well, they're not going to do that. Right. right. You don't yeah. need any instruction. Now it's still kind of, you're still up in the air. Right. So and you know what? It's so true. Because then I remember saying, okay, so cremation it is. No, 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 I don't want to be cremated. And I was like, oh, you just said do whatever. So then, you know, so you do care. So okay, mm-hmm. let's go back to the form. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was able to to yes. get more information. And now that I'm sitting talking to you, I realized like 
there's still other, you know, I, I think we planned the funeral, but I'm like, oh, there's still other things we haven't talked about yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to have a family meeting <laughs> and uh, maybe with you, because there's, I realize there's some gaps. There are some gaps that we still haven't talked about as a family and things that I realize I don't actually know that I'm just listening to. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's go back and figure that out. Mm-hmm. So now let me ask you, you know, because death can be really transformative and relationships are really important when you think about wellness. It's actually one of the 12 elements of wellness. And sometimes our relationships are strained. This is just, you know, a matter of fact of life. And so I imagine it must be really, I'm not sure what the right word is to describe, you know, someone's end of life transition when they are estranged from family mm-hmm. and what that might look like and how people feel in these times. But at the same time, I have seen a lot of people actually find healing and transformation at the end. Like they're able to kind of come to a better place right at the end. And I'm wondering if you have ever witnessed a situation like that. Many, many. So there's two parts to that. There's in the dying process. When someone is diagnosed, if someone is, I I call it so lucky to have the time to plan what end of life will look like for yourself. That gives you the moment to call out, reach out, reconnect, and try to heal some of those wounds, right? So if you are estranged, that's your chance. This is your moment to reconnect. And I'll, like every relationship is different, but you'll see, especially families who aren't necessarily as connected or those who even are, when someone is passing, you either do a like a magnet, you're pulled together, or like the, what's the opposite? The opposite, the two opposite sides of the magnet, you repel, you know, and you'll be, I can't even deal with this. I don't want to be a part of it. But it is a highly emotional, highly, when you're talking about trauma, uh, traumatizing and like changing our, our lives, it definitely happens at that time because you're either going to heal or you're going to put a line in the sand and say, I choose not to connect. And sometimes, and I've seen some families where it's been, listen, I have some families where it's, I choose not to heal. I choose to stay angry. They will come to the funeral angry. They will speak at the funeral angry and they will stay in that state. Maybe wow. like, I don't know your life. It could be deserved, you know, and it, and some people were not nice in life. And so family aren't going to come and smile and pretend that you were wonderful, you know, when you've passed, right? So there's yeah. many different situations. But it's definitely at that time where a lot of those emotional aspects come out. And that's where I'm like, you can look at different families when we meet and I can see a family who will come together. They will support each other and they're going to heal together. And I can yeah. see different families or different family members who I will give you referrals because you're going to need support after this. Because yeah. the moment right now would determine what can affect how the rest of your life will continue. Right. So you like I can see that in some families. So you really I want to be I want to be aware of that and try mm-hmm, to support mm-hmm. them as best as I can at that time. And I think that community after the process is so important as people take care of their own wellness and well-being in what is a very emotionally charged and emotionally stressful situation where your loved one is is has lived a very long and full life. It's still sad to see them go. And you still have the realities of even just things like well, packing up their stuff and closing their home. And then what do you do with these things? You throw them away. And then some people feel like they're throwing away the person, right? There's there's so much emotions that go into that. But if you can prepare or at least have some plan in place, at least you can lessen the degree to which it's going to impact you. And 
I'm just wondering, like, what role does a deaf doula, because I had never even heard of a deaf doula before. So again, it, that's why it's so important to have these conversations, because it's in talking that people become aware of what's out there to really be able to support them. And I just want to know what role can a deaf doula play in supporting individuals and families during and even after the end of life transitions? Mm-hmm. So I took my uh, deaf doula training. I, I don't I don't practice as one, but I took that for this exact reason. I think it's important to learn what is available. And now a deaf doula is somebody who will advocate and be present for the family and for the dying person, right? So now their process, while the doctor and while the other professionals are looking after your health and kind of what needs to be done, the doula's job is to say, how can I hold space for you? How can mm-hmm. we... When I say it, you're so lucky, I use those air quotes here, like you're so lucky to be able to plan your end of life. If you have that time, the doula is going to help you decide what you want that to look like, right? So mm-hmm. let's say I'm in my room. You're going to decide, do I want to be at home? Do I want to be in hospice? Do I want to be at the, at the hospital and actually have that full conversation? A lot of people just say, I want to be home because that's comfortable, but is home yeah. actually going to be the best place? You know, if your number one care is, I don't want to feel pain, maybe being at the hospital might be better, or maybe Mm -hmm. you being at home and passing at home will change the whole feel of home for the rest of your family, right? So having the doula will sit down and help you have that conversation with everybody. So now Mm -hmm. everybody's involved. We're all on the same page. We understand. I remember hearing two awesome stories. One is uh, they had a family and everybody's passing through, right? The person is close to the end, right? So friends are coming, everybody's coming, your dad's brown book of people, everybody's flying in and coming, (laughs) right? But the person is exhausted, you know? Mm. Body is shutting down. They don't necessarily have the energy to entertain or even to just deal with that many people coming through. So the doula sat there with the family and said, "Is is this helpful? Is this what you want? And they ended up stationing one person as the gatekeeper to the room. And the gatekeeper mm. welcome the people, say, thank you for coming. They'd offer them a snack and invite them to leave. You know, like if they would decide what kind of space we want to have, because wow. the dying space where I'm dying, I want that to be as much as possible, something that I would desire. Let me plan mm. it. I know what kind of sense I want to have. If I'm able to handle sense, I know what kind of lights I want to have. I want to have candles all around. I want to have plants in the room. Like I know because I've gone through this whole process, what for me, if that's what my end of life looks like, I know what I would like it to be like. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Nobody thinks about that. We just die. We don't necessarily take our time to decide what you, you plan your wedding, you plan your birthday, you plan everything else. What do you want this to be like? You have a choice. Right. And then yeah. the second thing is on the planning side, um, the advanced care plans. That is, you have your will, and then you have what some might call a living will or an advanced care plan. So that now determines, okay, if you had a stroke today, what is important to you? And they walk you through deciding and seeing different factors and different things that could happen. What's important? One, what you don't want to experience, and two, what you do. I want to be surrounded by family. I don't want to have life-saving tactics put in place if I cannot this. So there's a dad. And what he said to the kids is, I want to be able to watch the baseball game and drink a beer. Uh, If I can watch baseball and drink a beer, life is worth living. If I can't do those two things, no, I can't. So now when the doctor says, hey, do you want this surgery? Do you want to do this? Their easy question is, 
Can he do these two things? Mm. It gives them like guidance. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the easiest thing for them now because they know whatever decision they make, it's exactly what he would have wanted. And I think that I wish I had that, you know, it was so (laughs) much easier than trying to go based on what, what do you think right now? You're just doing your best, your best guess. Yeah, no, this conversation has been so enlightening and it's on both sides because, you know, as people are starting to think about their parents and their parents getting older, I'm sure that they're listening and thinking about conversations that they might need to have with their parents. And maybe there are some people who are thinking about how can they prepare for their own situation and even prepare themselves now, even if they're younger, they just want to prepare themselves for their kids or even who would be power of attorney to take over and who they would be leaving the kids with and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people think, okay, if something happens to me, my my kids are going to go to this person, but then they forget about the whole, well, what happens with the estate? What happens with the home? What happens with the taxes, the bills, the insurance, all of that, right? So like this has just um, really highlighted why it's so important to just talk to professional who knows the right things that you need to ask and how to kind of build that plan. So Manal, I want you to tell people how they can find you, what services you offer that you can assist them in this kind of conversation, you know, at least if not full planning regarding uh, end of life transitioning. Yes, absolutely. And I'll say this one thing. I like to think of it as this is part of your estate planning, right? So when we're further away from it, it's easier to plan as we might assume, it's easier to plan from far away. It gets a little harder when now we're planning for something, again, that quote, air quotes here, that might seem closer, right? So the okay. older you are, a little bit harder it is to have these conversations. The younger you are, much easier just to talk in abstracts, you know, and, and get it all done. So I would think the easiest way for you to find me is by going to www.ewwm.ca endingwellwithmanel.ca because from that site, you will find everything that I'm doing. You'll have access to a guide, the same guide you were talking about there. And that's available through the funeral home. It's through New Haven Funeral Center. So you can get our guide there. You can go through creating your funeral plan there, but you can also contact me for a consultation. And in that case, I sit down with families and go over all of this. Okay, let's look at what you've done and let's look at where you need to go. Because another part we didn't touch on yet is that executor side, right? So how mm-hmm. to set up your estate so that you can, you know, pass pro- taxes as much as possible. Things are all clear and you've thought about things you might not have thought about. So that would be the best way to get in touch with me, www.ewwm.ca. All right. And that will be linked in the show notes, also with her socials. And Manal, just thank you so much for coming on today and for just having a really impactful and important conversation because as i said with life comes death how can we support everybody's wellness through what can be very difficult times continue to serve yourself your loved ones and your communities from a book up thank you again for having me